Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, welcome back on a nice, warm morning from Sunny Slope. Yeah, hopefully you're going to go out swimming in the river or the lake or the pond. And great weather for that. You know, it's so nice when you hop in that water and it's still a little cool and you come out and you feel almost cold. Anyway, we're getting right back to the phones. We do have one line open, the number to call, 602-277-5827. Julia's back here smiling. Give her a call. Jim and Gilbert, you're up. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Great, Jim. Thanks for asking. Hey, I got a, just a couple quick questions. Uh, can I trim my Mexican uh, bird of paradise uh, with the hedger? Because it's getting really tall. You can get them with a hacksaw, and, uh, hacksaw, hedger, machete. They don't really care. Is this the yellow one or the one with the red-orange flowers? Uh, red-orange. Okay, so you can cut it back as much as you want to. It's going to regenerate. The happier, the the hotter, the happier with that plant. You know, it likes 120 oh, cool. better than it does 114. So you're not going to hurt it by pruning, and it'll come right back out. Right on. And then oleanders as well? Um, oleanders are going to come back a little slower, but uh, okay. do you want to take your oleanders down, like, almost to the ground, or what What was the thought? No, no, just hedge it. You know, oh, just, just moderate pruning. As long as you're leaving foliage is fine. Okay. And uh, same same way with the bird of paradise. You know, if you wanted the bird of paradise, if you wanted to really cut, chop it down like close to the ground, if you leave like one third of it up for an extra week or two and then come back and cut it off, it'll regenerate the foliage back on the bottom faster. But aside from that, you really can't hurt it. Oh, good. Good news. All right, Brian. Thank you as always. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Paula in Phoenix. Hi, Paula. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Wonderful. And you? Good. Um, I have a peach tree question. I have two peach trees that I planted last year, and they're doing all right. Um, And they have some peach buds, which is really great. But I have a fig tree in my backyard, and there's like this very narrow window of time where I could actually pick the figs before the birds get them. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to happen to my peach trees. Mm Should I net them? Absolutely, or? yeah. I mean, the thing is, Paula, the birds have all day. We don't, okay? So if you'll just put a bird net over the peaches, it'll, it'll, you'll get some. And if you don't, the birds will be out there, and they'll just take the first bite out of the ripe side every time, and uh, they'll ruin the fruit. So, yeah, bird nets work wonderfully on peaches. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next we have Henry in Phoenix. Good morning, Henry. Yeah, hi. Hi, Brian. It's uh, I, I uh, talked to you a couple weeks ago about the Bermuda grass being suppressed by the ryegrass, and you gave me the great information, which was to let the Bermuda, Bermuda grass grow high like the hippies in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Remember? And, uh, I, I, I think the hippies have been run out of San Francisco now, though. They, just, yeah, they have a lot more homeless there. people. They're not as many hippies. Oh, gosh, yeah. Or um, San Francisco. Well, so what we did was we, um, you know, I, I let it 
uh, go for uh, about 12 days without any watering. It, it totally got brown. Mm-hmm. Then the, the uh, blow-and-go guys came in and they scalped it. Perfect. Um, yeah, so now I have this totally scalped lawn. Now, your instructions the last time, and I was a little confused about them, were to water it deeply three days thereafter, after the scalping, like to one inch, and you measure that with a sardine can. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sardine then, cans are too shallow unless you're getting the big macro cans. Tuna, yeah, tuna, tuna no, fish I can. That. I went to the supermarket, <laughs> the sardine can only half inch, probably. But you said for an inch. Yeah. Uh, then, then I think you said water three days thereafter again another inch no 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 not 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 so much no if you water it the one inch to one time that that's yeah. great okay and uh, you might come back and water it lightly because it's been scalped again because the weather's so hot right now but right. with that hot weather with that good deep you know, irrigation the one time, that Bermuda grass is going to wake up. It's going to think it's in heaven. It loves 114. Well, okay. well here, here's the thing. Now, I, I just have it. It's not a huge lawn, but it does slope. You know, like, in other words, it's taller than the street. It's mm-hmm. taller than, um, you know, the, the, the asphalt. So what you're going to do there, Henry, is you're going to cycle you run your irrigation long enough to where the water is going to start to run off and shut it down. Okay. Okay. And then wait 20 minutes and run another cycle. And wait oh. 20 minutes and run another cycle. So if you have to run three cycles in the same day to keep the water okay. from running off. That's the best way to water. And put all your waterings together. Don't let it run off. Don't waste the water. But if you keep pushing the water back on top, it'll keep getting more and more penetration. And so you want to run as many cycles as you need to in a day to get the inch of water on and then shut it down. And you were saying you take a screwdriver and you you push it to a and it's supposed to be wet a foot down. Well, when, yeah, words, a regular screwdriver is usually you know, most of them eight or ten inch you know screwdriver. So whenever you have when it's wet, you know after you put your inch of water on, it's going to be absorbed into the soil about a foot, and that that'll vary depending on your soil type. Might be a foot on some soil, might be eight inches on other, but close to a foot. But you can push your screwdriver in easily when it's wet. And then thereafter, how often do you water? I mean, my, well, you my go out, you bring your bring your water. bring your screwdriver back out again, try it again, you know, and yeah. the next day it's still going to go in easy because it's still going to be wet, and especially right now because you're going to transpire a little moisture, but your Bermuda grass isn't big and it's not using that much, you know, and you're going to find that it stays wet for probably even a week with this weather, and then that's when you want to rerun it. So you 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 don't water it until it's dry again, or no, not until uh, it, not until the surface is dry and it's hard to push that screwdriver in. That's when you start watering. You don't just immediately start watering every day. No, no, no. But just, wouldn't that kind of kill the? Wouldn't the Bermuda cast need water every day? No, it's so it does so hard no, and Bermuda, dry on you know, it. If, if, if you look at, if you look at flood irrigated lawns here in the valley, uh, Henry, they're yes. wa- they're watered once every two weeks. Really? Yeah. That, um, I was totally surprised about that. Well, I mean, that's that. And the, you know, there's different ways to use water, but the way you waste the most water is putting a little bit on at a time. Okay, so if we can get the water down to a, you know a foot or close to a foot with that inch of water, then what happens? Our Bermuda grass will actually root that deep. Okay, and then the, then the lawn's healthier, and it's and it's not going to have the problems with different funguses and other problems that you can have. Oh yeah, and it's going to be healthier, and it, it'll grow and it'll easily root that deep. So. If you'll stay with that process, but what you might want to do because you're trying to get it all back up is you might go ahead and put your, you know, inch on. Okay, let's get however many cycles you got to run. Get your inch on. Let's come back and fertilize it. Okay. Yeah, we did fertilize. We fertilized after we scalped. Okay, so you already fertilized, so that's fine. So if you'll just get to where you have an inch of water at a time, 
Okay? Right. And however many irrigations a day it takes you to, to accomplish that. And then shut it down and go back with your screwdriver. When it's dry, it's not going to go in the ground. It's time to water again. And uh, that works for any kind of soil. All right, so uh, on the back we have a small patch that's perennial rye. We've never been able to grow crabgrass because we have too much shade. Not crabgrass. We've never been able to grow uh, Uh Bermuda because it's too much shade. I, I, I'm afraid if I, I, I that should I keep water? It's nice. It's still alive and it's doing. It looks pretty nice. It, but, might, um, it might not be next week. Yeah. After this right. 114, next week might it might succumb to the heat. You know, most okay. ryegrass now, no matter how kind we're going to be to it, at right. 114 degrees is going to succumb to the heat. So it's the heat, not the length of the day. It's both. It's it's a heat for a lot more hours. You know, okay. it's not yeah, only hot, sure. but it's hot for a long time. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> absolutely brutal. Yeah. Well, gee, thank you very much. I waited all week to get to call you because I wasn't <laughs> sure what to do. So well, thanks th- again. You're th- wonderful. Thank you, Henry. Have a nice weekend. Okay. Bye bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we got to get ready to the correct order. Melanie and Chandler. Good morning, Melanie. Hi, Brian. Good morning. I uh, good morning. I have um, over the last month or little plus, I've been paying attention to my backyard, and I wanted to share a tip that I think is actually a tip. Um, I gave the dog a bubble bath um, about a month ago. Was the time that I started watching, and in the plume of the bath water. Um, it went out to my rose bushes, uh, some sunflowers or black-eyed Susans that are all throughout the yard randomly. And um, I have um, four Palo Verde trees that create a canopy. So my yard's a little cooler maybe than some yards um, for the shade. But I ha- it was definitely aphid season. There were tons of layered aphids on the sunflower slash uh, black-eyed Susans, and they just stay every year, and the um, Palo Verde trees get the little tiny inchworms that are the moths and cycle through. So, anywho, the um, the bath water, I gave her a bubble bath with Dr. Bronner's uh, baby soap. So, it's the, it's the Castile soap, organic Castile soap that has no additional um, essential oils in it, uh, that, like, was for fragrance. And I've been watching now for the last three weeks, and the aphids ceased in the area that plumed the bathwater, but they still existed outside that plume. So I think I'm going to, on purpose, uh, bathwater my yard next aphid season. <laughs> so, and there there was a tomato plant in that realm, too. Tomato plant's looking, looking pretty stressed, um, but it still gets some fruit on it. And um, if I eat the tomatoes and bubbles come out of my nose, I'll let you know that. <laughs> All right, Melody. Thank you. Yeah, you need, okay. it's pretty hard for any aphid to live through this. but <laughs> Yeah, and the heat's coming along, but I tried to do it early enough to be able to see if it really made a difference. And I think it really did. So I'll try it again next year during aphid season and we'll, we'll report back. But So you think it was just that even though it just flooded on the ground, it wasn't sprayed on the foliage? You didn't spray it on? Yeah. Your... Yeah. No, I didn't spray it on. And, and I have on the vegetable garden in the past um i don't have a huge garden they're just more pots with like a tomato or a pepper or something in it mm-hmm. but the um i didn't spray it on no it just it just was the bath water plume here you know, just the where the rinse water got out to those things well maybe it just made everything happier who knows but no i know keep up the good work and keep us informed thanks for calling 
Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. And we have to take a short break. And uh, while we're gone, we do have three lines available, a number to call for Miss Julia here, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We're going to have Sharon Ashley, and then it could be you on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. If everybody had an ocean across the USA, then everybody be served like California. You see them wearing their baggies, where Archie Sandals too. A bushy, bushy blonde here, serving USA. You'll catch them serving at Dell, Ventura County Line. We'll all be planning out a route We're gonna take real soon We're waxing down our circle We can't wait for June We'll all be gone for the summer We're on safari to stay Tell the teacher we're serving Serving USA Well, welcome back, folks. And it would be a lot cooler if we were out in San Diego surfing about now. Wouldn't be a bad plan at all. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we have three lines available. Julia back here smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827. Sharon and Scottsdale, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning. I'm considered to be, an, I guess, a hobbyist gardener. I have two questions I need to ask. And this is a serious question, Brian. I, I notice you haven't had many uh, uh, questions on this subject or have discussed it. I was given the, uh, the authority to cultivate marijuana. Uh, but I don't do, I'm not, I haven't had any luck at all, and I no way plan on using any artificial lighting. I can't even get a sprout, and I have been trying for years and years. <laughs> oh, Sharon, are you, are you trying to grow it indoors or outdoors? Uh... I don't know. I don't know. I can't even get a sprout. Well, first off, you, you want to start off depending on you know what your purpose is, the quality of seed you get, okay, for marijuana. Yeah. But pretty much, you know, my marijuana experience went back to whenever I was in college. I grew a little plant in my dorm back in the seventies when it was illegal, and. Uh, it was a beautiful little plant. My little roommate, who happened to be from Japan, left the window open one day, and the SRA came in, and we had to cut the plant down. But that was in the 70s. Now it's That's legal, fair. okay? And so marijuana is really pretty darn easy to grow here outdoors. You know, if you want to grow it on a patio, if you want to grow it in a garden, it's, it's pretty easy to grow. You can plant the seed right in the ground, or you can start the seed. If you want to buy the little jiffy sets, that's kind of the easiest thing to buy. And uh, they're a little package 
you get and basically you put water on them and they rise up and you can plant your seeds right in those guys. And you can buy some that are pre-fertilized and other ones that aren't. But that's a really easy way to germinate them. You just set them in a tray with these little jiffy pots and you just set the little jiffy pots right in there, put your seeds in the jiffy pots and they'll germinate within two or three days. And you don't really, with marijuana seeds, you don't have to special soak them in acid or any of those kind of things. They come up and they, probably, you know, they come up just about as easy as any plant would. And if well, you, that's what I was thinking. But uh, so what I'm resorting to now is to uh, put the seeds that I have in the soil and turn the soil and 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 cross my fingers. Well, start them. Get get a pack of these little jiffy pots first, okay? And they Where rise do up. I get those? Uh, they're they're. Well, we should have them at the nurseries. I'm not sure if we have them for for sure in stock, but we usually carry them. But they're they're jiffy bit, pots. Jiffy pots. And uh-huh. thank you so much for your nursery service. You're great. Well, we have fun, and that's who. That's why uh, you know we pay for the show here, and uh, we appreciate everybody coming and seeing us. That's how I'm able to pay for the show. But anyway, if you get the little jiffy pots, you just put your seed right in the jiffy pot. And those just kind of sit in a tray, and they'll they'll expand with the water. Uh, they'll they'll germinate fast and come up. And then you know where you want to grow them, and how you want to grow them, and the different quality you want to grow for different uses. You know, there's so much that's changed in marijuana in the last fifty years. That you tell know. me about it. I just now <laughs> found out that cannabis and marijuana is not the same, and I testify to that. <laughs> well, there's there there's some of the new things are a lot stronger than the ones that used to be around. But so you. You have to be mindful and careful of what you're getting, but um, you'll you'll find a lot of information on the internet. But you'll you know you could probably find friends that are growing some because there's you know now that it's legal, it's it's a whole different world, and a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, but I, you know, like I said, I, I'm an amateur and I've been trying for years, but I haven't had any luck. Well, start before, off with start, start off with terminate the call. What about my uh, bamboo? I have lots of roots, and I just now have the nerve to to prune it. Mm-hmm. The bamboo is in a uh, glass wine jar that's tall enough to hold the stalk. Well, that, yeah, now, that's so, the lucky bamboo, the houseplant type. And, yeah, uh, the lucky bamboo. Yeah. So you're gonna uh, you're gonna want to grow that you're gonna want to grow that one indoors and in a container. The way you're you're doing it, it's the easiest way. Okay, well, can I? Can it remain in the glass jar? Or do oh yeah, I no, it can, it can stay in the glass jar for for a long time, couple years. Okay, what about when it uh, crowds out the the jar? Well, you eventually it gets too big. You can either cut it off and restart it if you want to. Because you can just take a cutting off that one and put it back into another jar and it'll regrow, uh, or you could prune it back and it'll branch out and come come out kind of a different form. But it's that's a pretty easy plant to grow, Sharon. But good luck with your marijuana, and uh, you know, just you know, you want to grow the seeds that you want to grow, depending on how toxic you want it to be and what you want to use it for. Or you could be like the one that I grew in the dorm; we never did anything with it, just chopped it up well, and threw where, it away. Where was plant. your uh, plant located in your dorm room? Uh, it was a south facing window, east facing window down at the University of Arizona a long time ago. Okay, well, uh, I thank you so much, and uh, I'll drop in to right. uh, check out those pods. God bless you. Be safe, and enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you. Thank you, Sharon. You know, and just a little point or two, there's some happy frog products that, that uh, are really high quality and work great with marijuana production. But thanks happy for calling. Happy frog. Happy frog, yep.
Do you have that at your location? We do, or I'd recommend something else. Okay. Right. Uh, got you. Come in and see us, Sharon. I will. Thank you. It's Sharon Chambers. Okay, Miss Chambers. Have a nice day. You as well. Thank Bye-bye. you. Be safe. You too. Ashley and Scottsdale. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. Um, I moved into a house in February and inherited a grapevine. And it took off uh, like crazy this spring. I cut off a bunch of branches that I didn't see any grapes forming on. And now I have quite a few clusters, more grapes than I'm going to be able to eat. Um, My question is, the neighbors have been telling me that these were like green champagne grapes, Mm -hmm. but they are starting to turn a purple color. And I'm wondering if... The previous owners, you know, harvested too soon, or did I perhaps, you know, something change with the soil that's kind of changed their makeup? You know, Ashley, what's and, fun was what was fun with grapes is they come in big clusters and you can sample them and taste them anytime. Okay, yeah, and you'll tell mm-hmm. by by sampling them what their sugar content is, and uh, you know if mm-hmm. you're going to use from table grapes, you can tell when you want to eat them. What uh, the, there's also another good way to tell is that uh, when the birds start devouring all your grapes and one day you come home and half of them are gone, you'll know they're ready. Because the birds have all day to look at them, okay? So the birds are out there hanging around. You know, in our grapes at our house, we grow most of them for, for the animals. We don't really harvest as many as we could. And we have Thompson seedless, which I haven't looked at. But, you know, they typically stay green. But there's a flame grape here that's one of the more common varieties that will turn mm-hmm. kind of a pinkish color. You know, it'll, it'll turn to like a flat red flame. And when it gets really ripe, it'll actually get fairly dark. But that's probably what you have. There's a lot of different varieties of grapes. But at any rate, taste them yourself. Watch for the birds. And then you'll know when they're ready. And then if you want to get more of them, you'll need to net them to keep the birds away or else the birds will come eat them all. Okay. And then once, um, you know, I've harvested them, do I just cut it back to the root or how do I kind of Maintain well, we, we, we let them go through their kind of acquiescent period where they just kind of go and never, never land. So after you harvest the grapes, you can let the vines just grow in between now and to the end of October or so. They're going to continue to grow. And then in November, they'll kind of shut down. But if you want to harvest really nice grapes for the following year, then you're going to prune the grapes back dramatically. And usually we do that in January. We let them build all their energy and get their size to them and come back in January and prune them way back. Okay, and then we're going to just mm-hmm. depends on the size grapes and how you're going to do them. Are they on an arbor or what, what are they growing on? Um, the vines just kind of twisted through like a, I have like a pony wall with a, a iron gate above it. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of wound its way through that. So, so it's kind of made its own trellis. <laughs> okay, so that and that's a great thing to do. And so in January, you're going to prune that way back, okay? And you're going to leave okay. some little horizontal branches come out, and they have like the little buds or little eyes on them. And you'll probably want to leave about four of those branches coming out to this size with the little eyes and prune the rest of the plant completely back. And that's okay. going to come out. You're going to have the biggest, best grapes. Then you want to take, when they flower in the spring, take your fingers and rake your fingers across the grapes. That's going to thin them some so that the clusters aren't as thick. And uh, you'll have better hmm. quality grapes that way. Yeah, I noticed. It's very, very dense. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ashley, have fun and enjoy them. I hope they come out delicious. 
Um, one more question. So in terms of turning them into great or into raisins, is mm-hmm. it as simple as plucking them and yeah, you just basically them spe- especially if they're flames. You just you basically just harvest them off the vine and you lay them out mm-hmm. on paper or you can lay them on a flat. Okay, and you just mm-hmm. let them dry in the sun, and uh, okay. you know it's amazing how many bugs and different things and how crackly they can be with the CD ones when you make your own natural raisins that way. But they dry very mm-hmm. well here in the sun, and there were you know literally thousands of acres of raisins grown here in the past. And if they're flames, they'll make excellent raisins. Ashley, thanks for the call, oh. and I've got to let you go because uh, <laughs> Miss Leon is here for the news, and we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. During the brief intermission time, we have wide open phones. You can call Julia at 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. And now for Nihilaya with the news on 92.3 FM, KTAR. know that one that is Angel Eyes by ABBA or ABBA I actually don't know how to pronounce that name Uh, but that song has been stuck in my head and I don't know it's just like kind of like a fun like you know having a fun happy summer and ABBA just kind of brings those vibes for me so yeah there it is well thanks Julia beautiful morning out here in Sunny Slope we do have three lines still open the number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTR with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to nine. Uh, Mark in Sun City. Morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent, sir. Thanks. Uh, I got a <laughs> question. I uh, wonder if you could su- suggest a. I have an easterly uh, exposure in the backyard, and I like to sit out on the patio. And uh, a, a smaller shade tree to put out with a southern exposure, maybe 15, 18 feet tall, evergreen tree to to uh, block the sun while I'm sitting out on the patio. Uh, now, are, are, are you sure you want evergreen? And, and I say well, that because if you get a little sun in the wintertime, it might be kind of nice. 
that's true. That's so true. I, I would uh, I give you a couple suggestions. Um, one is a raywood okay. ash. Okay, and a raywood ash is going to uh, turn bright orange in the wintertime, and it's going to drop all of its leaves in mid-January, leaf back out about the first or middle part of March, depending on the season, and will shed nothing the rest of the year round. And another variety that's really pretty is a flowering pear, like a kawakami pear or Japanese pear. And the kawakami pears are beautiful, but when they're really beautiful with the white flowers in the spring, they don't smell very nice. So you might have a week or so when the flowers are out, you go, oh, man, you might want to sit in the house and enjoy it from indoors and see how pretty the flowers are <laughs> and then and then come back out see if you got allergies but it can well it's not the allergies it's the it's the smell but anyway with oh, the flowering okay. pears they're a beautiful tree and uh, they can <clears throat> stay evergreen uh, it just depends on the winter okay okay because yeah, i've got a rock lawn and then the leaves would be you know uh, uh, an issue well, and see, that's the huge advantage to having a deciduous tree, is that you have leaves one week a year and you're done. Okay, so with the that's flowering true. pear or with the uh, or the raywood ash, it's a, it's a one-time cleanup. Um, one time, okay. But, you know, another another kind of different kind of way to go um, is do something like a fruitless olive tree, like a Swan Hill olive. And they're a beautiful canopy tree that stays evergreen. And they'll have two or three shedding seasons in the year when they're going to shed more. But they don't produce mm-hmm. fruit. Or if they do have fruit, not very much. And uh, they don't have the allergies like the other olives do. And they're a beautiful, yeah, okay. beautiful little olive tree that you can keep formed and shaped to whatever size you want. Okay. Got it. I wrote all of those down. Thank you. I appreciate it, sir. Well, come out and yeah. see us if you get a chance. We're not too far from Sun City. Yeah, no, I, I've been to your uh, facility before. Nice, nice place. Beautiful place, yeah. Um, thanks for all your music, by the way, too. Well, we have a lot of fun. G and I really have a lot of fun together with the music. Yeah, I, <laughs> if, you, oh, if, if, if you can't tell, we both love music. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, you guys do a great job. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Okay, take care. Uh, Robin in Phoenix. Good morning, Robin. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Good. I have several problems right now. So do I. You know what? (laughs) 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 Biggest one being it's been 114 at the nursery and hard to keep everything watered the last few days. (laughs) Yeah. And going outside is a problem as well for a human being. It's a little warm out there. (laughs) Yes. I found out, I'm not going to say the right name, I'm sure. It's a mandible. Uh huh, mandible. Yeah, beautiful um, red flowers. Uh huh. So I bought the plant. It looked okay. Brought it home. And where I put it, it seemed like it was getting too much sun because I thought the leaves were burning. So I moved it to a new place. All right. But the leaves continued to look like they were being burnt. So I moved it again. Same problem. So when I looked it up online yesterday, it said it's got some kind of fungus. Oh, it could have a fungus. It's not real common. I'll tell you, a really good fungicide that you would try on it would be Monterey Disease Control. Okay? And that's basically a bacteria that, that kills fungus. And when, yeah. when, when mandevillas are grown commercially, they may have used different fungicides on them. But I would really doubt that they use that one. And so that would be a good thing to try. But mandevillas traditionally have a hard time here in the summer. You know, Great. so it's, it's, not, it's not a perennial, long-term, easy-to-grow plant on a mandevilla. Right. Okay. Um, next problem. My hibiscus was decimated, decimated from aphids this year. Mm-hmm. At this point, I have it was a really nice big hibiscus. Now it's basically sticks. I do still get flowers at the end, 
but I'm not sure if I should just go ahead and cut it back. Robin, I, I take it it's in the ground? Yeah, no, it's in a pot. Oh, it's in a pot. Okay. So, uh-huh. yes, you can. And here's here's kind of the trick is number Have you been feeding it much? Yeah, I get feeded every two weeks. Okay. So if you cut it back, if you want it to come back fuller at first, leave the top, like one-third of the plant, leave it tall, okay? And then prune back two-thirds of the plant to a lot shorter. And when that portion that you prune comes out and generates a lot of new buds and leaves and it's leafing back out, then prune the other third away. And that will help it to come back and regenerate faster than if you cut the whole thing back all at once. Because if you take all the foliage off at once, it's a real problem for the plant. But leave one-third of it tall, prune back two-thirds. When that regenerates new buds, prune the other third back again. And I can do that this time of year? You can absolutely do it this time of year. You know, they really kind of like the heat. Now, if it's in west sun, it might be a little tough on it right now. But other than that, south side up against the house or the east side, you know, there are a lot of different varieties of hibiscus, and they're certainly not all the same. But the hardier varieties really don't mind the heat at all. Okay. And what's the best or what recommend? What do you recommend to feed it? Well, the easiest thing to feed potted plants like that's Osmocote. And what Osmocote is nice about Osmocote is it's a slow release. It'll last two months. You don't have to remember to feed it. Um, with our okay. water-soluble fertilizers like 20-20-20 or miracle Grow or any of those, because we're uh-huh. watering so much, we're going to leach them through the pots you know, pretty often. So you'd have to water uh-huh. probably every two weeks. But you know, if you, if you use the long-term fertilizer like Osmocote, you can do it every two months. Okay. One more. My yellow bell. Mm-hmm. It seems to be getting... From what I read, it's getting um, moths, something where the leaves start to look like skeletons. Well, it would be, I would be surprised that they would be there this early, Robin, but you can go out and check their tiny caterpillars. And if you'll uh-huh. just take the, the end of the leaf and just slap it against a piece of white paper, what you'll see is their excrement, you know, the caterpillar poop, little black dots. And if yeah. you see those guys, then it's the time to go ahead and spray it. But I think it's early. But if you do find no, them, it's not. Okay. Not at my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you want what you want to kill those with is BT, Bacillus thungensis. Okay. okay? And it's uh-huh. safe for you, and it's really toxic to caterpillars, and works quite well. Okay. And I just spray it heavily. Yeah, you just spray it on the end of the leaves. Now, if we're fortunate enough to have a monsoon, you'll have to reapply it. But uh, okay. you can buy a dust or you can buy a liquid, either one, and it works fine. Okay. And is a yellow bell a vine or a bush? Well, where they grow native, uh, a lot of them. The, the prettiest ones I've seen are in Baja, Mexico, even though it's called mm-hmm. Arizona yellow bells and our native ones here. When you go to Baja and you see them, they grow up through the Palabrea trees, which is the Palabrea that's most common in the Baja Peninsula. And mm-hmm. they grow right up through the center of the trees, and they'll grow right up over the top, around the side Ooh. of the tree. And they use the tree for support, almost like if it were a bougainvillea growing through it. And they can okay. be absolutely magnificent. And where you see them growing wild, they usually don't grow freestanding. Standing alone, they usually start off kind of with a tree or something to support them. Okay. So it really could use some support then? You can prune a yellow bell any way you like, and they make a fine bush. They, they can be mm-hmm. supported in trellis. Uh, pretty okay. much you make them to a little patio tree if you like. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robin. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, let's see. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with David and Alan, and then it could be you, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. We're the Whitfield Industry Garden Show here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR.
Thank you, Marvin. A beautiful little song from a few generations ago. Anyway, happy Sunday, folks. Welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I'm going to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, Whitfield's, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. And now is actually a great time to plant desert trees like mesquites and palo verdes and ironwood trees or perhaps palm trees. If you want a little tropical look, if it's been a little hot for you, they regenerate and come back faster this time of year when moved. Also, a good time to plant citrus, too. So whatever your dream may be, come out and see us. And at Whitfields, we'll do the digging. We deliver, plant, and guarantee. No job's too bad, that's too small. If you need one tree for your yard or a 1000 for your development, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're at the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe. Or 26470 Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. We're open Monday through Saturdays, 8 to 530. Sundays, 10 to 4. And if you'd like to come visit us at our big tree farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8, we're open there Monday through Saturday, 7 to 3. Whitfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got David and Surprise. Morning, David. Good morning. Uh, could you refresh my memory on uh, the, the percentages and exactly what you put in for a raised garden, getting ready to fill mine up here? Well, it depends on what you're going to grow and you know what you're used to growing. But really, a good way to go is, is no more than two thirds organic. Okay, and that can be compost. It can be you know, there's a lot of different forms of it. You could buy a premixed garden soil, um, but if you'll add like one third soil with that, you know, and especially uh, you know if you're out in surprise, you have the heavier soil, and you just go out and dig up some dirt and take one third dirt and mix it and blend it back in with your your other soil. That's going to help you retain more moisture and more fertilizer and uh, will make your garden probably do better and easier to care for. Okay. I, I remember you mentioning one time 60% loam. Is that well, you can go that anywhere. Would work instead yeah. of the native soil? Well, loam is native soil. I mean, we call it sandy oh. loam, and that's that's one form of soil we have here in some parts of the valley. You know, in the alluvial floodplains from the rivers here in the years past when we didn't have them all dammed up, you know, that's that's where the soil came from. So some of our soil here is a pretty good loam. And if you want to go, you know, two-thirds loam and, and one-third organic, I mean, that's probably even better. You know, it might be a little harder to come by. Loam isn't something you go in and say, I want to buy, you know, 25 cubic feet of loam. Well, you could, you could go, some, some of the rock yards can sell it, and they sell it by the ton usually. And they okay. get they get a lot of their soil from, you know, pool companies and people doing excavation. And um, you just kind of want to go in and see what their soil's like, you know. And uh, now, yeah. I, I, I know they have sod mix. That would be okay. I'm not sure what they put in their sod it, mix. I mean, people it, could call it things, before. All it was, it was dirt, sand, and clay. I think is what it was when I bought it before. Well, see, the thing with just using a straight the sod mix would be good if you'd add the organic to it. And ideally, right. their sod, right. yeah, their sod mix wouldn't have anything organic because then it would no, shrink no, no. and make we'll do okay. the organic too. Right, and so then come back and so that okay. would be fine. Okay, great. Thank you so much. That's Thanks, it. David. Bye-bye. Uh, Alan and Phoenix is up next, then Brian. Then we've got time for a few more calls. We've got three lines open. The number to call, Julia, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. I wanted to ask you about my fig tree. Mm-hmm. So first I wanted to see if uh, something I've heard is a myth or not. I, had the, I planted it uh, years ago. And early on, the main trunk died off somehow, mm-hmm. and then branches around it grew up. Okay. Um, 
I was told that I'll never get figs in that kind of situation. Is that true? No. Not normally. Most figs are just grown from cuttings, Alan. So they're not grafted like a citrus tree would be. So they should produce figs. Okay, so I I do produce figs. They rarely get ripe. They just sort of like get almost there and then just sort of like dry out on the vine almost. How's the, um, how's the health of the tree? And or birds get them when I do get a few. Well, I mean, the birds are, you know, the birds are the birds. I mean, they're going to get figs as right. they ripen, and they've got all day to find them. But how is how's the tree doing? Is it vigorous and happy, or how's the tree doing? Yeah, it's very huge leaves. It, it seems like in a good spot where it's getting most, you know, morning sun all the way up to like three, and then get some af- nice afternoon shade. So it always looks healthy. It's full of um, figs right now, but I'm almost guaranteed that very few will ever ripen. What do the and figs look like? What, what, color, what color and what size are the figs? Um, right now they're probably like, I don't know, an inch. Okay. And they're green. Okay. And do they turn, do they stay green or do they change color? They stay green. Yeah. And then they'll have like a nice one, you know, the rare time that I'll get one to ripen, Mm -hmm. um, it'll have like a nice light colored pink flesh. Okay. So, you know, the problem you have is just the variety of fig that it is. Is, is not as hardy. The easiest fig to grow here in the desert is Mission Black. And that's a, you know, a medium to smaller sized black fig. And that one's very prolific and, and ripens better in our heat. Um, I would do, if you do everything you can for it this time of year, is keep the water regular. If it's a big established tree, once a week should be plenty. Um, okay. And, and just kind of, and you might want to try and net it to see if you can let them get riper, keep the birds away. Because the birds um, will definitely you all come in. Carry the net, the proper netting that I would use. Yeah, just, yes, just regular standard bird netting. We we have it. You should be able to find it. Most any hardware store probably even have it. Okay, so really, my best bet to get them to plump in really would just be water. Any fertilizer? Uh, not so much this time of year. It's pretty hot. But I'll tell you what really like, works well on figs for this fall and next spring is cow manure, and it, it's kind okay. of funny, but it's the only plant that I've seen cow manure work better than anything else. The figs don't seem to mind the salts in it, and they really respond to it. So if you'll take in January and work a bag of cow manure in underneath your tree, all the way around it and work it in the soil and flood it in, that works really well. And then you could feed it later in the season with maybe like a little citrus food. I wouldn't feed them right now, though, as hot as it is. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll try a few more times, but maybe I need to just... Well, try try, pr- try protecting them and see if they Better variety. Well, and try protecting them, see if they don't ripen, because, you know, you've got the crop on there right now. See if you can get them to ripen. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. you got to get the proper order. The proper order means Brian and Mesa's up next. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Love your show. Appreciate you uh, doing this for us all. i uh, got a quick question. I've got uh, actually two. I've got a, a lemon tree planted in the backyard. And uh, it's it's just not doesn't look good. I had gave it some uh, like ten 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 a while back, a little bit, and uh, we water it regularly. That's one problem. And the second question is, I've got which is really the one I'm calling about. I've got a, a cluster of barrel cactus in my front yard. They're about I don't know one and a half feet in diameter, some of them, and three four feet tall. Uh, a couple of them are leaning toward the south really low, and I'm wondering, is there any way to get those back up, or do I just prop them up, or am I just stuck? Brian, are these golden barrels, or what kind of barrels? I can't tell you. they got yellow flowers on them right now. Yellow oh, okay. Fruit. So yellow fruit, so, but, the, but the plant's more green. It's like an Arizona uh, yeah, native barrel. Yeah, kind of a greenish-grayish. 
Okay, so it's probably Arizona. You know what can come out and look really nice, Brian's if you just get a big boulder in there and put down beside it, maybe a grouping of boulders. And, you know, when you go out in the desert, a lot of times that's how they grow out naturally. I'm going to put you on hold, give you some more information off the air because we're out of time, okay? And I'll take Spence and Joe and Brian from Gilbert all off the line. Appreciate the calls today, folks. And, uh, you know, I really kind of like that Marvin Gaye song. You know, it's, it just reminds us that, you know, we need to be proactive in how we can love and treat each other. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't very easy for people right now. We're having some hard times with fuel prices and different things which affect us all. But, you know, there's not any one man to blame for that. It's kind of our own use of these fuels. And uh, maybe it's time to make a change and uh, might not be just so dependent on some of these fuels. At any rate, enjoy your family, love your neighbors, and most importantly, love the people, those with whom you disagree. And it's easy to find those sometimes now. But uh, remember that they're all good people in this world as well. We'll be back with you next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Thank you.